This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 740, brought to you by the new Audible original, The Sandman. And iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks. Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 740. I'm Josh Flanagan. This is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Good afternoon, morning, evening. Do you know what the temperature was this morning here in uh, New Hampshire? I was going to say sunny, but it's not. (laughs) Do I want to know? It's 57 delightful degrees. Holy cow. I put a sweatshirt on with such relish this morning. That's not good. It was. It's very good. It's going to be a heat wave this weekend. It's going to be like in the upper 90s. So... That's going to be great for everybody. It. Yeah. Well, I'm dealing with, in. I'm six months into not having my allergy shots. So I'm like declining rapidly. This is like, for people at home, this is like somebody not getting their insulin shots right. or, you know, <laughs> dialysis. Right. It's your version of that. I might not make it. Yeah. <laughs> well, except the difference is like you're uncomfortable, but you sound great. Well, thank you. Yeah. My eyes are really itchy and my throat's really itchy. 
Yeah, but welcome to the overnight shift. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are iFanboy. Every week we read our stack of comics. We share a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one of us picks the one that they like best. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick, some listener mail if we have time. It's, uh, it'll be a good time. So I believe, Connor, that that is what hurts right now. Is that what hurts right now? Yes. That's the allergies? Everything hurts. All right. That's good. That's good. I did something to my ankle. Oh, good. My right ankle's been very stiff. I don't know why. It's very slowly going away. That's one of the things that hurts right now. That's what I know. Here's your spoiler warning. That could happen again. Mm-hmm. There will be spoilers on the books as well. Uh, exercise your caution. You had the pick this week. I did. I don't know where I would have gone, so let's, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Was it was a tough one. It was, uh, I think, the first like, real week of comics we'd had since everything's happened. Marvel put out like a normal slate of books, which hasn't happened since they stopped publishing along with everybody else. So mm-hmm. we, I had like 20 books. Wasn't prepared for that many. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and a lot of heavy hitters this week. You know, you had your Strange Adventures. You had your final issue, Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen. You had Empire Number 1. And so the pick ended up being Deceased, Hope at World's End Number 5, the digital first uh, series that we've been, f- the spinoff of Deceased, written by Tom Taylor, art by Marco Fela, Rex Locus on colors, side uh, Temo Fonte on letters. So this series is taking place, it's, it's in the past, if we consider the present to be the current DC series. Yeah. It takes place as you know the world is ending with the zombie attack before the escape. And here we're seeing Damien and Jonathan and Cassie, who are going to basically become the new trinity in the DC universe. You know, They're just sort of dealing with everything. Damien has just put on the bat suit, which happened in the first miniseries. And... It's a rescue mission. Damien is convinced his mother, Talia al Ghul, is trapped in Gotham and he wants to go rescue her. And of course, so Jonathan and Cassie come along to help. And um, it was funny. There was a great gag about a bug on a windshield. <laughs> and that they, that they stuck with. That they, it really stayed the whole time. Uh, it was heartfelt. You know, my disdain for Damien is well known by listeners, but. When he finds his mom was heartfelt, and then later on, when he finally deals with the death of his father in the arms of Stephanie Brown, who at the end becomes Robin again, which was a total shock and surprise to see her as Robin again, and also makes me <laughs> suspicious that she's going to die horribly in this miniseries. That's a good bet. Which I don't want to see. You know, he cries in her arms when he finally sort of acknowledges what's been going on with him. It hit all the emotions that Deceased is really good at hitting because it can, because we can deal with death of these characters. We can deal with finality in a way we can't. And yes, these are the things we say every time we talk about deceased. And this is how much of tunnel vision you do this after 15 years. I've forgotten that last week's pick was a deceased book. I noticed that right away. I go in a tunnel when I'm reading my books about yeah. the pick. When I was writing up the script, I was like, oh, right, last week was deceased. And I get it. It's, it's somewhat the same conversation. But it's just these little moments that they get to do here that they don't get to do in regular DC books. Well, I mean, let's talk about the fact, though, that A... It's not very often that a digital book, digital first book or digital only book is picked. It's happened. It's not the first time, but it, it happens a handful of times. We didn't used to do it because the pick used to be tied to the shipping list. and Yeah. So that used to be, a, but yeah, not often. And I, it's funny because I got a little, somebody on the Facebook patrons page had mentioned this very early on uh, Wednesday. And, and you know you know me, I was like, you better not spoil it for anybody. <laughs> but uh, that didn't happen. And I thought, oh, well, something cool happened. I didn't actually realize it was a new issue. I thought it was something that happened last time, but... And the, but the other the other sort of stark thing about this for you is that you know this story is about Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent, right? And you made it your pick of the week. Now this is not what I would consider typical behavior of you, so it must be pretty good. I mean, that's the thing is that the execution was good, even if I don't like yeah. necessarily. You know, and I don't necessarily have a problem with Jonathan as a person. He's a good, he's a likable person. It's just mm-hmm. the situation, which is no, no sure. point getting into, but. It was really well done, and I liked the art from Marco Fela a lot. It's not a name I know at all. It was really well colored too. I mean, yeah. like it, it, it Rex you know, Locus. But yeah, the kids it, are kind of awkward. You yeah. know, they kind of have. You know, they they don't look like tiny adults. They look like sort of gangly kids with two big heads, and mm-hmm. and it worked as a next generation story. It was fun, as you know, this is the next group of, mm-hmm. and we know from the, the the new book that they are the next generation of heroes as they've gotten older. I would say the only it's not even a criticism. This is the thing I noticed is that. They go back to the world, you know, from the safety or whatever, and it seemed to be a lot less threatening than it had been. 
previously. Mm -hmm. You know, in all of the other deceased books, like no matter who of these characters you are, whether you're Superman or Wonder Woman or Batman, who are all dead, or Black Adam, mm -hmm. or you know whatever, you know th everything is with caution. There is death and danger around every corner, and this was a little more like, eh, we're not worried about this. We'll just go take care of everything. And it lets you tell this story, and that's fine. But um, it, it was a shift in tone. In I that would way. subscribe it possibly to the arrogance of childhood. Of uh, they're not, yeah. you know, kids don't necessarily understand danger as much as adults do. Even though these are kids who live in danger as superheroes, but that's well, true. But the world, like, and I can that their their attitude on that, I can I can get behind. But the actual world around them didn't seem as dangerous because of it. Maybe that's a point of view thing or whatever. It's just it was just different. So maybe Wonder Woman is busy across the world killing somebody else at the time. That, that, I mean, that just it could be that they yes. were just a, such a small strike force that they didn't they didn't capture the attention of mm -hmm. some of the heavier hitters who were <laughs> zombies. Um, they weren't there that long. They basically landed, ran into the bank, rescued the Dahlia from the vault, and then mm -hmm. ran to the, the back cave, which has been a, pretty much a safe haven before. And uh, I forgot we had seen these graves before, but these these graves were terrific. The bad the Dick mm -hmm. Grayson, Bruce Wayne, Tim Drake graves were yeah. Dick is the the one who got to grow up. Batman is father mentor bastard Batman. <laughs> Tim Drake is the best of us. Like it, it was, those are good graves. Yeah, <laughs> they're fine graves. <laughs> I do really enjoy the sort of oddness of you know Damien's relationship with his mother, and I really like. It's the same thing with Ra's al Ghul and Talia. That you know they both have this weird respect for Batman. Right. That doesn't extend to anybody else, even though they recognize him as their enemy. You know, but like he's he's pretty great though. We will kill him. But you know, he's a man of honor who who we will destroy. You know, like it's always sort of this awkwardness that's there and, and it's pretty easy to mine for comedy uh, or melodrama, depending on how you want to go. You know, I grew up at a time reading comics from a slightly different age. You know, I, when I was a kid, I would read older books mm -hmm. as often as I would read newer ones. And in the 70s, you know, that was Talia Ross's little Batman stories all over the place. I grew up reading those books. I always liked Talia with Batman better than Catwoman. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, she's still, she's still in love with him. She's sad that he's dead. And it was nice. I also liked the visual joke, somewhat like a junior high school dance of Stephanie being much taller than Damien. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I had the same thought. It was good. I honestly didn't expect to see Stephanie as Robin again, which was nice. Mm -hmm. She could be a little bit more upset because Tim is dead, but that's all right. They're all sort of in trauma. We understand that. There's, there's, shit's going down. We're all, we're all just living in trauma. Uh -oh. so, uh, we are. Some things hit you at different times as, we've learned, as we're learning. I really love this. And I, hope, you know, I assume like other digital first books, it'll be released eventually in paper edition for all those who refuse to read digital. And I mean, I... I'm sure at some point there will be, if this continues, there will be some sort of overall collection of this stuff, or you know, not necessarily an omnibus, Deceased. but yeah, uh, absolute omnibus. edition, something. DC does omnibuses, yeah, maybe one day. Um, but maybe. that was a pick, and there was a lot of there was a lot of enjoyable books this week, but that was one that hit me pretty hard in a lot of different ways. It was funny, it was action packed, it was heartfelt, it had surprises, it had genuine, genuine surprises, and I still think the. Uh, the bu was it? Who was it? Kite man? The bug on the yeah. It's good gag. <laughs> it's good gag. He let it's it breathe. Right. He let it breathe. Yep. So this week we have Strange Adventures number three. Tom King, Mitch Garretts, Evan Doc Shaner, and Clayton Cowles. I read this book last. This is my most anticipated book of the week. It was very good. It just it's it's one of those weird. It's not a middle issue because we're in three of twelve, but we're still not quite sure what's happening. You know, two mm -hmm. was terrific because it introduced Mister Terrific and. And he was very much a character piece, and it was a great character piece. This felt like issue one for me, where I'm like, I still don't know what's going on. And not in a bad way, because they haven't revealed anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how I should feel about anything that's happening here. How I do feel is that the flashback sequence with Adam Strange fighting to the death, with a duel with uh, this creature in the desert was incredibly drawn. Yes. I mean, obviously the book looks terrific. That flashback was definitely the highlight of the book. For me, the strength of the issue is... And there's a lot of really wonderful character work. I'm trying to wrap my head around it because I have said for a long time, oh, I like Adam Strange. It's very easy to put him in the camp of like, well, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a superhero. And so there is an eeriness to this, and especially an eeriness to the way that, is it Alana? I just want to make sure I get it right. Yep, Alana, Alana, yeah. You know, she's... She's she's not you're, you're suspicious of her. She's really she's got a different thing going on now. 
Tom King, he's writing about trauma a lot of the mm-hmm. time. All the time. To bring up a, <laughs> I guess, what is a theme in our all lives now. You know, and so you've got to imagine, like, they lost their daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been through horrendous experiences, and you could not expect them to act in the way that Clark Kent acts. Right. And I think that there's a tension there that is very interesting, but it, it makes you uncomfortable. Well, yeah, because we, we've been a long time out of Strange Trance. You, yeah. You can go back to the show and listen, and whenever he shows up, we're always excited. So my, you know, the fear of reading this is they're going to turn him into like a war criminal. Yeah, but, but but the thing is, like, I don't, I like Adam Strange. I think I just, I like the design and the idea more than I like the character, because I don't know the character that well. People mm-hmm. write him as whatever character they need, which is usually just good guy with a jetpack. And a pew pew gun. I like, I like that he's wearing his helmet in the, in the apartment with Mr. Terrific. Like, he's, yeah. <laughs> like, take it off, man. You're inside. I think it's like one of those PTSD dudes is holding their gun, you know, right. when they're, they're sort of, they've sort of got it. You know, at the same time, you have the contrast of like, like he's defensive. He's like, why do they got to check into me? And everyone, you know, all the other heroes are, you know, like, you, you know, you're fine. Hawkman's a little more like, I can't talk about it, dude. I'm sorry. You know, but then he does give him a little bit of a warning. But, and Superman, I noticed at this point where at some point he says, you're a good man or something to that effect. I'm right. trying to find it. I know you're a good guy. I'm married to an investigative journalist. It's just the process. There's a lot swirling around there that is murky. Yeah. And it, it, you know, in the wrong hands, in a less good-looking book, mm-hmm. in a person with with a much worse track record, I don't think I, I, this would be too, like, uh, I don't know how this makes me feel. Right. But as a sort of text, you know, doing what it's doing, where it can exist, you know, as it is, it's it's really fascinating. It's really well crafted, but man, you don't get to you don't get to relax. You don't get that sort of like, all right, the right thing has happened. Superman has, you know, the the flip, like you see in in the Tom King Superman books that he did. You always got to feel good about Superman at the end of the issue, and we're not going to get that out of out of Adam Strange here for a while, if at all. There is a bit of darkness in the flashback in which you know they're they're, they're he's dueling with this creature mm-hmm. for. Either he loses his wife to the tribe or they will support his war if he wins. And mm-hmm. he beats the guy, but then he also sort of unnecessarily decapitates him with his helmet. And you see a bit of madness in his face as he's doing it. So the question is, is it just trauma of war that we're dealing with? Is it, does it become mm-hmm. a war criminal for a little while while he's yeah. in the war? Like, there's a lot of ways it could go. None of them will probably make you feel good at the end. And well, yeah, and at the same time, Alana is super cool with all that. Right. Her culture's different. She's not human or right. Earth or whatever, you know. So she's like a different. She's Iranian or what, whatever the alien guy called her. Iranian, and I thought that yeah. the way the way that I, I can't remember the the character, but the you know the alien character. I like the way that he approached the battle. Like it was all about honor and like he's accepted to die and he's this is my son. We'll move along, sand and and all that stuff. And you know it it was a contrast to sort of the human rage that we're very familiar with you know that adam adam strange exhibits now there's if i again if i'm going to pick out one tiny niggling thing you think batman lets that picture be taken of him no he knows someone's there so then he's letting that picture be taken of him i hope so otherwise it'd be like an error in storytelling tom king knows better than that i guess we'll find out yeah i know that's it it's an interesting bit but to have something like that show up i thought those three panels at the very end of the issue where you watch because we live in America and we know what how this works you know you see that show up on the Mox News is it? Yeah <laughs> um, that's Bill Hemmer yeah with the mustache and you immediately know those three panels what that means right like oh that changes this into a, a culture war of a whole different type and that's not good it's the most interesting book happening right now yeah for it's, sure. it's also the most attractive yeah well that's true they don't skimp here no. no. Even if occasionally Alana looks like Olivia Munn. I mean, that's not necessarily bad. <laughs> no. It's just not always. So it's just a little inconsistent. Right. Yeah, she does sometimes, does another time. Well, that's the difference is that Olivia Munn always looks like Olivia Munn. Right. Can't help it. And Alana doesn't. She just looks like her sometimes. That's true. This week we saw the final issue of Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, written by Matt Fraction, art by Steve Lieber, Nathan Fairbairn on colors, Clayton Kells, as always, on letters. This was up there. It was just one thing that kind of bugged me and it wasn't a big deal but just kept it from being pick of the week so this is the issue where all is revealed and all being that lex and jimmy are long lost relatives so jimmy has access to lex luther's trust fund and he has control over it because the trust fund requires 100 percent 
compliance for Lex to spend anything. So now Jimmy can block anything that Lex wants to do. It was really clever that they tied in the red hair because Lex Luthor had red hair. And mm-hmm. so that was the, the gene that they shared. The only thing I bet I didn't like is that this this might have been the first issue that tied in stuff that's happening in the other Superman books. And that, that was weird. And it, they waited to the very end. They, they had this really great self-contained book that one day you can hand to people to read. And now you have to deal with Jimmy knowing Clark's identity and also the owner of the Daily Planet being a criminal. It just lived completely on its own up until this point. As far as I remember, I don't know if there's been other references. It was a strange choice. Yeah. Um, because then the question is, well, so when we go back to Superman, is Jimmy the publisher of the Daily Planet? Right. That's the other thing I thought of. This was great for this story, but I don't necessarily mm-hmm. want Jimmy, brother of Lex Luthor, publisher of Daily Planet and the other Superman books. Right. Yeah. They've already yeah. changed the methods a lot. I don't even completely change everything. And it was okay, and here you do whatever you want. You play the game. I think that this is probably my least favorite issue of this, largely because it was rollicking before. Right. It could go anywhere. It was a lot of things. And normally, that is not a strength. You know, n- normally I would tell you, you know, 100%, like you have to, you have a plot, you move that plot forward. That's the most important thing that happens. However, you know, everything is an exception somewhere so the you know the exception here is that when we get here and you have to you have to wrap it up and do the thing Mm -hmm. then you don't have time for those diversions that made it so much fun right and because of that like it was i mean it was just less entertaining but also i didn't want it to end so the thing where it ends in this (laughs) wasn't so much a satisfying conclusion because i wasn't looking for that right and that's i mean that's really rare for me as a reader certainly I kind of don't want those explanations. Like, if it just ended up weird, and at the end some other you know strange thing happened, you know, and like they're off again, you know, that was that was the end of. It. I think I would have liked that better. I'm not, you know, it's not my my job to read that. They ended on a nice note with Superman, but at the same time, that also felt kind of normal for a book that that strength was that it just wasn't normal. It would not pick a lane, unless the point here is to return to normal and. I'm not saying it's the right choice. I'm trying to figure out why, yeah. why the choice was made. Did it feel off to you in that way? Mm, I mean, uh, you know, well, it has to end, right? So they have to wrap mm-hmm. it up somehow. So it's, yeah. it's not a never-ending story. I mean, the connection between Lex and Jimmy was weird. So that, in that sense, it felt in line with the book. Not weird because, mm-hmm. you know, the most plausible thing that's happened in the book. But mm-hmm. ne- never been explored before because this whole idea of the, L- the Olsons being like this huge family in Metropolis, as far as I know, has never been explored before. But, you know, it was funny in that, you know, this guy that Lex hates is now in control of his money. But, again, I don't want that to be a story going forward. No, it's it's unnecessary, and he doesn't fit the tone of everything else. But overall, this was a great series. Oh, absolutely. Can I tell you what my favorite four panels were? Yeah. Porcadillo running up the steps, <laughs> and he screams "Porcadillo!" and the and the next two panels have the "Oh!" included in the art, and it actually is part of what's happening. Right, and then they fall out of the back of the plane. I love the inclusion in a book like this that can get silly. The inclusion of the sound effects in what is happening is is still one of my favorite things in in comic book storytelling. Yeah, and I just like that this goofball got his his moment, <laughs> like, and he's been in there in the background the whole time, and you really are just like. Why is this dude here? There is a bit earlier, though, where Jimmy, I don't know, does he get in the car? Like, he, he, he meets Porcadillo. He's like, what's up? And they, they fist bump. Yeah. Like, he's just happy to see him. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. At the apartment. At the house, I mean. Yeah. But the, just one last thing before we move on is in line with the Superman stuff is in the little, you know, goofy opening narration, it, it references the quarantine situation in the real world. And I was like, well. I didn't notice that. Where's that? Surely in the face of quarantine crisis, we are all better together than our worst parts are individually, right? Hmm. And I thought, well, in 30 years... I... Well, actually in 30 years, that'd probably be a pretty interesting note. I guess, but I don't know. I just think of posterity is what I'm saying. Well, right, but I think that the concern about this bleeding into the other DC books is valid, because mm-hmm. I just don't... doesn't sound like a, a great idea. I think having Jimmy know Superman's identity... I could talk about Superman's identity change for hours. Mm. I am endlessly weighing it over my mind. That's all right. It was pretty vague. And the beginning bit at the end is, I can't believe we lost the bugle to whoever, you know, see this, the this thing. I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's always going to happen. I don't mind that because I loved reading books. When I was a kid, that was like my favorite thing. 
you know, like, and I was never going to go pick up that other book and follow the story. I just liked that it was connected to another thing. And right. then it's sort of, it's like when we first saw Star Wars for the first time, there's clearly an idea that there was something that happened before and after, but we didn't know what those things were. And we just, we just did. So as a comic book thing, that's pretty in line with, you know, history. That, sure. That's how that works. How it affects the other books, I don't like as much. I guess we'll find out if it does at all. It was also just incongruous with the rest of the book. That that was the only thing. It, like it stuck out. Like you're gonna do this now? Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't fit yeah. with the other books. So it felt weird Fair. to shoehorn it in. You know, the tone is so different. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder why. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I, I'm in no place to speculate or know or whatever. But you know, I feel like Matt Fraction knows better. He knows what's up. You know. Yeah. So did you read um, Empire Number One? I did. Yeah, I've been reading all, well, not all of them, but I read the last two and I read this one. So this is issue one of the Empire event. Uh, Al Ewing and Dan Slott are the plotters. And Al Ewing is doing the script with Valerio Shiti on art, Marte Gracia and Joe Caramagna. So there's a big twist in this one that the hippies are not what they seem. <sighs> Valerio Shiti, someone whose art I like a lot, I didn't like the way she drew. Uh, I believe it's a he. He, I'm sorry. Hands in a no. Yeah, hands in a no. I was, I was saying Valeria in my, Valeria in my head. Valerio. That makes sense. Didn't like the way he drew Reed and his hair. And I guess now Susan's phantom birthmark is back, which we've only seen before in her miniseries. Well, that's normal. I liked Reed's hair. I didn't like Reed's forehead, but that's maybe that that's was a, a minor difference. Yeah. What's interesting is that when I saw at the beginning Al Ewing and Dan Slott, I think I just assumed that um, Al Ewing is doing the Avengers part and Dan Slott was mm-hmm. doing the uh, Fantastic Four parts. And I thought that was interesting because I thought this is great Fantastic Four dialogue all the way through here. Hmm. I thought that was that was good, but that's an interesting thing. I liked this a lot. I had a lot of fun yeah, reading it. You know, we talk a lot about it feels like an old comic. Mm-hmm. This feels like an old sort of cosmic Marvel Avengers story yeah. uh, in a way that is both self-contained and and overexpansive, and and that's kind of cool. Characters from the past or sort of obscure characters are brought in, and it turns out they're playing a bigger role than we thought all along. You know, like and they'll bring in Hulkling, and that matters. And I don't remember the character's name, the head of the hippies. <laughs> and it's like, but to you, I'm just voix or whatever his name is. Qua. Qua. It's f- f- French for what? <laughs> I do think that it, like at the beginning, they're like, we'll do anything for you. And I was like, can't you see how they drew that dude's face? <laughs> Some shit's going down. So that was the only thing that, like, that disingenuous smile is a comic book trope. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish that they hadn't telegraphed it. Because right. they totally telegraphed it, and that this is your digital reader. There page will be 10. a place reserved for you here in our garden forever. Yeah, like, like that's an evil, that's an evil smile. Not to mention the fact that that character has no pupils, and there has never been a better <laughs> uh, uh, indicator of somebody you know being evil than not having pupils. I liked the return of Jen Walters. Yeah. Like you know, I, I, I was like, what do you, what are you people obsessed with hammers for lately? Yeah. What? what is Everybody that a gets thing? a hammer. Yeah, There was a moment in here, we were just talking about this with Jimmy Olsen. Fantastic Four also came out this week and it was an Empire crossover, ostensibly. It, it, there's a scene here that overlaps, and then, so in this book, the Fantastic Four kids take the Skrull kid and the Kree kid who was, were rescued in the prelude issue and fly them back to Earth. And then in, in Fantastic Four, that's where we, we follow that adventure. I don't know why they didn't put a little editor's box to follow the ship, you know, check out Fantastic Four number whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that's classic Marvel. And I thought that was like the perfect opportunity to do that. Are you very interested in following the twin alien Damians? I read that issue, so I did follow yeah. it. I read it first, <laughs> but I thought that's just strange that they didn't take that opportunity to... Because to, that was always the Marvel trope, right? It was like, yeah. you know, what's Thor doing? Go see in Thor number three, yeah, yeah. 341. Which is what we just, we just talked about. Right. That's yeah. what I was waiting for this issue to mention again, because it was like the perfect chance to do so, but they mm-hmm. didn't do it for whatever reason. Yeah, I liked it. It was fun. The setup was that the Kree and the Skrull are reunited to go destroy the... Whatever these aliens are called, they're the yeah the the friend, evil French hippies who have grown a garden on the moon. They were the three races who were mm-hmm. put up against each other, you know, many millennia ago. The French hippies were set up as like you know nice pacifist gardeners. They're all plant based. They are one with the plants. You know what? This vegan hypocrisy <laughs> has got to stop. This issue is just big meat. Yeah, trying to make them look bad. And so then they, the twist is that they are the evil ones. The Kotati. The Kotati are going to form their empire with a Y to take over the universe. And so they are the real villains. Yeah. I mean, they're basically Poison Ivy. Yeah. Writ large. You know, it was Arch, the whole thing. And it was it was totally telegraphed. And like, well, everything's okay. And we're in Tony's head. It, when I look at the pieces individually, 
I, th- I, I see a lot of flaws, but when I sort of looked at it overall and I said, well, you know, what do I want a comic book like this to be? I, I find a hard time finding those flaws, you know? It was fun. I don't know if it's us being completely out of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if this is like resonating, if people are excited yeah. for Empire, if, you know, because it used to be that an event book came out That's a good point. and people were really excited for it. It was always the top pulled book on our site and we had our pull list feature, you know, whenever there was a new event. And I just try to think of the last time an event really got people excited. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Civil War II. I, I guess. I don't even know if that was, if that's the case, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Is Empire resonating with people? Is, are people, were people excited for it? Are people excited for it? Which has nothing to do with the quality of the story. Just, you know, no. usually when they announce an event, people get excited. I don't know if that's the case anymore. DC basically doesn't do events anymore at all. So I'm just curious if people are excited for this as an event. Here, here's good, a question I, people I have it. for you. Yeah. How do you feel about the uh, leadership structure of the Avengers right now? How do you feel about Captain America n- being not even second, maybe third in command? He's just sort of a dude taking orders? Listen, Cap, when, when you get your billion-dollar movie, you couldn't be in charge of the Avengers. I mean, I know, I know the reason, but let's just, let's just. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Like, do you feel like he needs to be the leader? Logically, it doesn't make sense, but also in the past, they've had various yes. chairmen of the Avengers, and so he takes his orders when he's not in charge because mm-hmm. he's a good soldier and he's happy to be like a field commander. I think that it makes sense that he would be like that, right? And like that's absolutely what he would do, and so his the way that his character is responding makes complete sense. But it just seems like th- this is the best guy to be the leader. Let him be the leader. <laughs> right. You know, like, you know, and, and they, may, they make a plausible case, I think, for Black Panther being mm-hmm. that person. Although I don't know who's in charge right now because Black Panther's supposed to be in charge in the Avengers book. And in this, it seems like Tony's in charge. Maybe they had a little chairman shakeup in between yeah. the panels. I, the, the fact is, the, the problem with the Avengers right now, and this is they've taken the Grant Morrison thing, is the seven gods at the table. Yeah. But the problem with the Avengers is that everybody on the team is a pretty good leader. You've yeah. got Black Panther, you've got Captain Marvel, you've got um, Thor. Iron Man, and, and Captain America. Thor. I don't think Thor is a leader of the Avengers. I don't like him as that. No, and also Ghost, Ghost Rider is sort of the only character who's, who's not that. Yeah. And She-Hulk. She-Hulk's not the leader of the team either. She could, and that would be an interesting story. Yes, that is true, because she's, she's a smart lady. She's a lawyer. Yeah, I always look at Thor as sort of the, the enforcer. He's the, you know, on the hockey team, he's the guy who starts the fight. And he's cool with that, because he doesn't want to deal with all the other shit. So you've got like three or four le- yeah. legitimate leaders. Yeah. yeah, it's just just a thing. Let's take a quick break and have a word from our sponsor. Year was 1916. Roderick Burgess conceived a plan. He would capture death. You are death. This is him. He's back. The Sandman's a fairy story. He's back, John. Dream of the Endless. Greetings to you, Lucifer Morningstar. Hello, Dream. I have shown him fear <sighs> in a handful of dust. The Sandman. Only from Audible. In association with DC. Just close your eyes and listen. Listen to the new Audible original, The Sandman, based on this best-selling DC graphic novels written by Neil Gaiman, adapted and directed by Dirk Maggs, hailed by the Los Angeles Times Magazine as the greatest epic in the history of comic books. This Audible adaptation is decades in the making, starring James McAvoy in the title role, follow the Morpheus the Dream Lord, as he's pulled from the dream realm and imprisoned on Earth. When he finally escapes, he must restore his power to rebuild his dominion, and that's just the start. Featuring a powerhouse ensemble cast, including Riz Ahmed, Kat Dennings, Michael Sheen, and more. In your wildest dreams, you've never heard anything like this. Listen now, only on Audible. Go to audible.com slash the Sandman. That's a nice cast. It's a great cast. It sounds good. That's a real good cast. I could I can get behind. There's a lot of those names that I'm I'm a big fan of. I'm also a huge fan of Audible, by the way. I won't go on and on about it. And the originals. You love the Audible originals. I do love the Audible originals. Yeah, no, huge, huge part of my daily life, quite honestly. Audible.com slash The Sandman. Check it out. This sounds great. I think we're going to get more audio dramas now that no one can shoot anything in person. Yeah, that's all right. That'll do. Although, hopefully, uh, the people who are recording them at home have figured out how to record <laughs> audio a little better than we're seeing from many of the professionals who I think should know better. So that sounds fun. Check that out. So let's talk about The Old Guard Force Multiplied, number five, which came out in conjunction with the film on Netflix. Greg Rucka, Leandro Fernandez, Daniela Miwa, Jody Wynn. This is the final issue of this particular miniseries. Before we head into the final miniseries, as teased at the end, hopefully it won't take five or six years to come out like this one did, however long mm-hmm. it was. Long enough to make a feature from start to finish. Right. Again, this one didn't hit me hard because I don't, 
I don't remember anything, and they didn't really reset. I liked it, but didn't love it. I was fine with this because, you know, I've been reading this miniseries the whole time, so know where we are in that. And I think some of the things that were interesting, you know, we're exploring the concepts of, you know, what it is, what it takes to hurt these people. You know, the the drowning over and over again. They sort of talked about that yeah, before. Yeah, that was but terrible. There's a line, and she was only in the water like that for a short amount of time, rel- you know, certainly relatively speaking, whereas the other character, Nima. Nima, uh, Noriko. Oh, Noriko. Um, Noriko, you know, like what? Ha- there's a line is really pa- in passing, but it's you know, like, well, what happened to her? She fell off a ship in the 1500s, and she spent most of the intervening time drowning. You know, and that really, you can forgive anybody who goes. Oh that. yeah, no, I come out a supervillain too. Anybody would. You know, in the middle of this, we get a really pretty, but not necessarily always clear fight scene. Mm-hmm. I actually went back through it a few times, uh, and I couldn't find problems with it, but I had to go back through it a few times, if you know, if you know what I mean. Like, I was like, where am I getting lost? But it was, you know, Leander Fernandez is, is a great comic book artist. Mm-hmm. I, I love him. It, you know, it's another one where you can see a bunch of instances of the, what the lettering must be on the board, you know, where they're all shooting at her, you know, isn't the, the classic comic book machine gun sound of Buddha Buddha. Right. And then I like the character development that took place in the last third of it. You know, I like the twist of the villain. She's like, what am I going to fight? I'm going to fight all of you. I'm going to lose. She kisses the lady and then she sort of accepts. She's like, yeah, I'm going to lose. And then, you know, what are you, you going to do to me? You can't, you know, I'm. she just walks away. But not, you know, and then there's the sort of character. Then you get this bit where the newest one, Niall, the, you know, the newest immortal person basically says, you know, you were you were a bad person back then. And yes, it was the world you knew him, but you know the difference. And there's a little hinge where Andromache said, you know, she's like, yeah, I knew. And she gets really mad about it. And it really is like this sort of internal struggle of reckoning with your past. And if you were part of the past and accepting it, then why is it okay or not? And, you know, it definitely takes a point of view, I would say, you know, like a political point of view, but it was an interesting conversation. And then what happens at the end, I think is interesting. There's yeah, a lot to think about, basically. Th- there's a lot of implications for the old guard fade away, which is the final miniseries. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. And also, it's it's what happens at the end here is an interesting choice, given the fact that this movie just came out and, you know, could theoretically be a franchise of some kind. Again, if I had a criticism, and I don't think it's one he could have avoided, uh, Rucka as the storyteller, is that all of the characters take a backseat to the sort of three lead female characters, um, you know, and, and the other guys... You know, it's it's not even a gender thing. It's just like these people these people have been alive for thousands of years. They're probably pretty interesting. So hopefully we get more of their stories going around in other places. Yeah, I mean, we loved that first mini. It was like pick of the week four out of six times or something like that. And yeah. I just, I would need, I need to go back and read it, I think. I just don't know how I'd ever do that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things like no matter what, it would be hard to revisit that thing. But I, I do like that Greg Rucka is doing this in a sort of contained format as opposed to you know, I love Lazarus, but, you know, it doesn't feel like we've gone anywhere, really. Yeah, the, the momentum of the book is all gone, too. So, yeah. But then again, for me, the momentum of this was, was kind of gone. Yeah. But that's just the, the way of the world of indie comics. Such is the way of, uh, of independent comics. Spider-Woman number two. This is another book where it's the first issue came out like six months ago. Yeah. Did you read this? Yeah. Carla Pacheco, despite yeah. what the script says. Per Perez. Frank Darmada, who's a name I haven't typed into the script in a while, and Travis yeah. Lanham. I mean, it was good. It just, I was like, oh, right. So she was doing the party. Like, I, it was one of those, you know, I've got to spend the extra five minutes remembering what happened in the first issue. My biggest problem with this, oh, hey, we had a big conversation about it, so that sort of helped me. And yeah. I was like, all right, all right, we talked about this. My biggest problem with this is that I almost skipped it because the covers are terrible. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's not something I'm going to read. I just, like, I looked at it and just moved right past it. There were two books this week where I was like, did I... Did I read that? Like, yeah. Was I reading Guardians of the Galaxy? And I remember, no, I wasn't, so I didn't. Like, it was a couple of times where I had to really think about it. I had the same thing with that, but I decided to read it anyway. I was like, even if I, I think, I was pretty sure I'd, I'd skipped an issue or two, but I kind of picked up on it because I think that's a little fun sometimes. I don't know what I thought of it. I don't know if I liked it or not. But uh, either way, with this, I remembered, like, oh, we, we really did like this a lot. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I liked it. I didn't dislike it. I, it was good. The first issue was good. I like this character a lot, and I feel like she's just used enough, you know, that we get to see her and not forget about her every once in a while, but then, you know, not overexposed right. and not really underexposed, just right. And so here, and, and also not, not, 
terribly well defined, although she's getting there. So seeing what different art writers do, that I don't know who Carla Pacheco is, but I, I really I dug the script. I, I dug you know the story that it's going. It it's super creepy. You know, like yeah. she's basically turning into a spider and all this other stuff that's going on. But it's it's fun and it's it's good looking. It's it's not like an amazing book, but it's it's a it's a you know. I felt bad comic. for the rhino. It's it, he went to the night nurse for treatment and she like kicked him out and I, which caused a big fight scene. And I don't know if he showed up like busting down doors for help or he showed he, like opened the door and walked in. But it's all about attitude. The dude just wanted some rash cream. Well, don't be a supervillain. It was good though. This idea of her being poisoned by this pharmaceutical executive because his daughter's sick and if he poisons her, she they can figure out the cure. It was interesting, and now she's sort of powered up as a result of it. And it's creepy. It's all like it's it's really putting like a you take this character who's this like beautiful woman, and you're like, oh yeah, she vomits acid now. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, that's weird. And then you know, and obviously she's addicted to this sort of power that's killing her, and you know, she's all sweat. And I thought that was actually really well drawn and acted. Like when she was over the top, you know, she's a little sweaty. She's a little like little little roid ragey. It's fun. So those are the books we want to talk about. I did want to mention, before we move on, even though we didn't read it, that Savage Dragon 250 came out this week. And it's quite a milestone for any creator to do one book by himself for 250 issues. So it's worth uh, recognizing. I bet if we talked to Eric Larson, we would have a lot in common. Because we would say, so you can't stop either. Like, no. And I was like, I understand that. We, don't, we can't stop. Right. We've done it for so long that if we stop what would we be? And he'd be like, that's exactly right. Let's go get a burger. No one's quite sure that if we stopped, we wouldn't die. Like, no one's convincingly told me that. Yeah. Patron pick time. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Any patron can uh, vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, I told Josh, it's an ironclad lock. This is before the voting. That pick would be Snake Eyes Dead Game, number one. Story and art by Rob Liefeld. Inks by Adelso Corona. Colors by Federico Blee. And letters by Anne World. And it was, indeed, a patron pick, as projected. And now I'm going to spend 10 minutes scrolling to the actual story because this copy I have has 75 variant covers before you actually get to the actual comic itself. Here we go. So this is Rob Liefeld's big G.I. Joe book. I haven't read a G.I. Joe comic in forever. Look, it's easy to bash or make fun of Rob Liefeld. It's kind of boring. He's a style that some people like, some people don't like. But I knew we were in trouble when the first page opened in Norway, 782 AD. I was like, oh no, don't do this. <laughs> don't make Snake Eyes either a legacy totem character or have him deal with some sort of supernatural monster. Now, I understand that Suprentor is one of those monsters, but we don't need any more of them. Ironically, the second page features Snake Eyes jumping, and I liked that drawing. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Not bad. Everything seems to work in that drawing. And then that, that was about as far as I could go with that. I didn't hate this, but it was. I felt like it was aggressively sort of mediocre. Uh, that was nicer than I would probably go, although I agree with you very much that I am quite disinterested and disinclined in, in discussing what I don't think works about this. But it doesn't work for myriad reasons. It's a style that's, that's for some people that's just not us. Because clearly he has his fans. He has his... I know he does, and it, it, it worries me. No, it doesn't worry me. It concerns me. It, it vexes me. It confuses me. Why? It, meaning that just like there's the visual aspect, which I can get behind that to an extent. You you know that you like what it looks like. There's an aesthetic to the to the way that he draws. There's an energy. There's you know whichever or it makes you feel good because you liked it a long time ago. And I can get behind all of that. Mm-hmm. From a storytelling standpoint. You know, I'm not dumb, and I was completely lost. Like, they were going from place to place. Conversations were starting up in the middle and going back to the beginning, and, like, it had no thread at all in terms of, like, where they were and what was going on. It really was just about getting to a fight and having the dialogue that sounds like old Arch comic book dialogue. And if those are the things that you want, then this is the thing that delivers it. You know, just it's, just it's not a good comic book. And it's funny because you're right, there were 75 covers. And I was like, well, maybe there'll be a really cool one in here. And there wasn't. <laughs> I don't understand the economics of it. I don't understand, like, like a store, you know, like it was like limited to a thousand copies. I'm like, really? Like, how many books, you know, and, and is this going to sell 50,000 copies? Is, is that a thing that happens? I guess. It's just I don't understand it. 
because all of the rules that I know about making comic books were not paid attention to here. Well, it's just, just tastes are different, you know? Like, I don't understand people who like certain kind of movies because I just don't respond to them. You know, people love horror books. Yeah, but you can also, you can recognize a good horror book when you see it. Sure, but it doesn't necessarily and, and, mean everything. It's, it's just sometimes there's a visceral thrill in what you're, I mean, that's what I, I assume what, what this kind of thing is. I don't really lose sleep over it. It's just people are different. Yeah. You know, the story here is that the Joes received a coded message from somewhere and it was it, it, in the coded message it said send snake eyes and so he gets sent to go rescue someone and it turns out to be Colton uh, Joe oh, John Colton what is what is his name the original Joe, Joe Colton Joe the, Joe Colton the original GI Joe who should be much older he should also be able to make more than one facial expression he's a strapping young man looks like he's like 25 but he should be you know middle-aged man cuz he's the original GI Joe Ah. And he's a general. I can't imagine there's many young generals. <laughs> I'm middle-aged man. Ah. <laughs> and then also Roadblock and Scarlet show up to help. And Snake Eyes gets to stab a lot of dudes who look kind of like ninjas. And then the monster shows up. I think there's some tie into his clan. He's the Grave Master. Like, that was I hated. I was like, ugh. Don't do that. Don't fuck up his clan. But yeah. it doesn't really matter because I'm never going to read another issue of this. So that's fine. It just felt like middle school you know, like the kid in middle school who was doing fan fiction and he's really good at it for 13. That's what it feels like. It's, just, it, it's, I don't see any of the quality that I look for in a comic book. And if that's somebody else's thing, fine. But I feel like so much of that is just by being, you know, against, you know, the, well, I like it cause I like it. So screw you. And I, that's valid. I will say if I may, if I may come up with a very specific thing, the Joe is at the end holding their weapons show absolutely no uh, correct form in handling firearms. <laughs> Fingers are on the trigger, right. pointed up. Right. You know, these are the basic tenets. And if anybody's going to be good, it's going to be these guys. You know, right. hold the guns like soldiers. So let's do ratings, ratings. on Snake Eyes Dead Game, number one. Uh, out of five, I'm going to give it a one and a half. Point five. All right. Sticking with it. I'm certainly not. All right, so there you go. There's Patreon pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give it the $5 higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show, like these two gentlemen, both with names starting with the letter J. Jack writes is unfortunate, because I thought of a really good one earlier, and I said, I have to write that down, and I didn't write that down. So now what Jack writes is going to be able to do is be able to perfectly conceptualize the optimal design of any given room. You are all about optimizing. I'm, I'm all about. I, I just that everything is so in the world is so uh, uh, subjective and could be all of these things. And I love the idea. I guess I'm I'm psychologizing myself. Uh, I love the idea of somebody coming up with a perfect solution that everyone can agree. Yeah, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, like I, you look at your, you look at the endless possibilities that you could have in a given room. What should I put there? What should I make it look like? What would be the best thing to do? Am I going to get it wrong? This is not a problem for Jack. Mm. Jack's like, that wall needs to be seafoam green. You need to put a love seat over there. You need this kind of coffee table. And these are the cheapest places to buy it. Go on. He's the ultimate interior designer. He's the ultimate interior designer. Interior design man. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot of X-Men in the in the you know intervening 10 years that had like powers like that because people thought it was funny. What was I just reading? I was uh oh, it was in um was it in Spider-Man? I think it was in Amazing Spider-Man, the character Over, the overdrive, overdrive character. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's the power I gave a guy last week. Yeah, you gave him overdrive's power. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I remember around that for a long time. Right, but I forgot about it completely. Right. Ryan gave somebody Aquaman's power, so it's fine. <laughs> Jonathan Pickering. That's worse. Jonathan Pickering can, this is like an area of effects power. In in one quarter mile around Jonathan Pickering, no fireworks will work. <laughs> you can light them all you want at two o'clock in the morning, many days after July 4th, and they won't work around Jonathan Pickering in one quarter mile. In a future presidential administration <laughs> Jonathan Pickering would be awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor <laughs> can you do that given, the, no isn't it the other one the Medal of Freedom no I'm they're going to make an exception for, for him yeah. I know and all of the soldiers especially those who suffer PTSD oh, yeah, who do not want to have to hear that would say you know what we're fine with bending this rule as long as Congressional Medal of Honor have one of freedom as well 
He gets both. He's the first yep. man to get both. Yeah. It's Jonathan he's, Pickering. He's our Neil Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you need him to come sleep over your house, if you're having a particularly bad week with fireworks, he can do so. And he travels he travels price. the country like a Johnny Appleseed <laughs> of silence. <laughs> oh, what a what a good man. Patreon.com slash life is how you can become part of that list where we will say something that is supposed to be a funny superhero hero, but is really about our own inner thoughts <laughs> yeah. at any given moment, specifically the moment just before I say your name on the show. So you can find out more about that at patreon.com slash ifanboy. If you want to go there and support the show, we have a new stretch goal, G.I. Joe Corner. If you enjoyed what we did with the G.I. Joe episodes, then we will be doing some sort of regular show uh, to look at each episode of G.I. Joe. A Real American Hero is a thing which has been a constant on our show for the entire you know 15 years of its existence. Yeah, I believe that next week on YouTube should be our show about G.I. Joe. Oh, nice. In Ron's, in Ron's old kitchen. Yeah, I think pretty sure that's next week. Nice. I will, you know, uh, it, it bears repeating that uh, at this time, in this time, a lot of economic uncertainty, yep. you know, I can't, I, can't, I don't want to, none of, neither of us are into getting into specifics about it, but we have no way of expressing how uh, much it means to us and how important it is, honestly, uh, that, that people are supporting the show like this. If you can't give, don't give. If you want to give and you can and you're comfortable with it, you know, we, we really appreciate that. It's not expected of anybody, but it sure as hell is is appreciated uh, on our part. And, and it, you know, it also, it keeps us going for sure. Yep. So thanks to everyone who does that. Uh, check out th- that stuff. And, and a lot of good has come from it. We're doing, you know, we're doing our uh, lots of extra shows now that we didn't used to. And, and you know, I, I know a lot of people do patron-only shows, uh, but I like the fact that like our patrons are saying, you know, like, you know, we're going to give, they're going to do more shows, and everybody's going to get to benefit from that. And yeah. I think that's really great. It's great. We're, apparently, we're socialists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I can't help it. There's news. Everyone gets a podcast. Ifanboy.threadless.com <laughs> is another place you can go to uh, to purchase goods and sundries. I'm not sure what a sundry is. Do these count as sundries? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, you can, we have eight Find designs us in the sundry there. Aisle. You can. In the Sundry District. The district. In the Sundry District. It's uh, between 7th and 8th Avenue yeah. on uh, 15th what Street. Is a sundry? There are eight designs there. You can get them on T-shirts. You can get them on masks. I've seen. We see a bunch of pictures of people with masks, and, and it's always it always tickles me. Adult, male, female, children, uh, whoever needs a shirt, they have a shirt for that. Or if it's a cool day like today, a sweatshirt. The uh, Stay Home and Read Comics design is one of our favorites, and a portion of all those sales will go to the Comic Book United Fund. Over at ifanboy.com slash support, you can skip all that if you like. I just I just want to help out somehow. I don't want to deal with all the rigmarole. There's a PayPal link there if you want to deal with it. And then finally, I think probably the easiest way to be part of it is over at ifanboy.com slash Amazon, where you can find links to buy all the books that we've done on Booksplode, a general link for Amazon, and obviously you can click on any Pick of the Week podcast, and you can sort of uh, see the um, the book that is the pick, and then the music for the show are, are also there. So thank you to everybody, genuinely, for supporting the show. We were kind of correct. Sundries kind of does apply to us. It's anything that's not important enough to list separately. So it's almost like a way huh. of saying it's et cetera. Like, this, this store sells magazines, ice cream, and sundries. Sundries being mm-hmm. like fingernail clippers and nail files and things that you wouldn't list out on their own. Yeah, the sundries aisle is a mess. Yeah, so that's who we are. <laughs> Let's do one email because I really want you to answer it. It's been in our queue for a while. Scott H. from Portland, Oregon. Josh, how would you recommend a man in his late 30s get into skateboarding? Is it too late for me to get into skateboarding? Probably. (laughs) There there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend... The reason that I'm being asked this is uh, when I was a kid, I was a skater. Shocking, I know. Mm You know, but I was never very good. I'm a dense person. <laughs> I do not have, I'm not light on my feet. I weigh a lot more than it looks like I weigh. And so I have very good balance. I can stay on a skateboard. I can skate all over the place. That's about the extent of it. And in one of the many, many attempts that I have made to not be an old man, which I know is ironic to people listening here because we seem to revel in it so much, my mom bought me a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> At Christmas, they say, "What would you like?" Uh-huh. You know, because it's still that. And I was like, I, "I don't know." And there was a there was a dinosaur junior 
he does skateboards uh, decks for all of his albums. And I said, this would be cool because I thought I put it on the wall or whatever. Um, but as soon as I got it in my hands, I was like, I kind of want to build it into a skateboard. So I bought, you know, I bought trucks and wheels and bearings and I, I put it together. I will ride it around like uh, with my, I don't have sidewalks or flat streets where I live. But when I take my kids to places and they want to ride their bikes or, you know, scooters or stuff like that, I'll ride my skateboard around. I think it's funny, but I'm, I'm as good as I was when I was a kid, which is not good. I can stay up. But if you don't have that, I don't, I don't I don't recommend starting in your late 30s unless you are incredibly athletic and adept. That's my genuine thought. Things tend to hurt longer in your late it's 30s. It's the falling. Ten, things tend to not heal as quickly and or correctly in your Oh, life. man. I was in the garage and I was trying to show my kids like, I don't know, like I was like, I could do like a little manual. And in a, in a second, I was on the floor and like I had a huge scrape. My hip hurt for weeks. And, it, and I looked really dumb when it happened, too. So basically, like, the part about skateboarding that helps when you're a kid is that all the falls don't affect you so much. One fall at, at late 30s and above, you're going to be like, well, I'm good. And I'm it also right depends. If you're one of those freaks of nature, Scott, yes. that's like, you know, like Louis Zamperini, the World War II vet who was, the you know, the subject of Unbroken, used to ride a skateboard into his 90s before he died. It just It's like... If you're one of those yeah. freaks of nature who can who is still athletic like that, and I, you know, then you certainly don't need my advice. <laughs> you're probably doing it already. Yeah, but there you go. So Scott, our, our recommendation is not find a nice comfy chair and just sit in it. No, you should be active and do things. But that's yes. a that's a high level. That's that's a big ask. I'm saying you got you got old joints. You might want to look into mountain biking or cycling instead. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's how you can write in and ask us questions about being old. And what you should do with your time that's left at fanboy.com. What you can do with your time that's left? <laughs> Dude. I'm not sleeping well with these allergies, so I'm getting dark. <laughs> Media Splode number four is coming out. Is it four or five? We had this five. discussion last night. Five. five. Four? Five. Five. Media Splode number five is coming out. I think this upcoming week we recorded it. It's ready. And it's in the. It's not in the can because it's got to be edited. But it's, it's in. The, it's been. Uh, it's been uh, loaded into the tube, as it were. Yeah. So uh, that's coming out this coming week, I believe. We're discussing what we watched in the past uh, month, which is a lot of streaming films, and are also talking about Midnight Run for longer than I thought we would. So there you go. That's coming up. Look for that in the feed very soon. That was a show unlocked by the patrons. Yeah. Uh, speaking of unlocked by the patrons, we have a talks load coming up, probably near the. I'm um, recording soon. End of the month. Yeah, at last third of the month, we'll call it, uh, with somebody who's never been on the show. Uh, somebody who, That's not true. Well. Someone who's been on the show, but not directly. That's Oh, that is true. Yeah. I think maybe a video show appearance. Oh, yeah, yeah. A video show. But I'm talking about a talk split. Yeah. There was, yeah. It was in the back. There's a clue. Background of one of the talk splits. And this is, hopefully it happens. But background one of the talk splits at some point definitely showed up. It's a good point. That's neat. Also, uh, the next book explode, which would be in August, uh, is Pluto Volume 1. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Boy, I do not recall both of the names off the top of my head without the book right here in front of me. But I do not want to do them the disservice of trying One of the seminal mangas of our yeah. modern times. So I'm excited. I haven't read it yet. You've read it. I've never read it. So I've read all but one volume of it. Um, and I kind of lost the thread. It's a little like when, you know, the comic book comes back after being six months out and you're like, what happened? I'm just afraid to pick up that last one. It's not like I don't have other stuff that I need to be reading. Head over to ifibar.com to find all of our podcasts, all those video shows. Sleuth it out and see who I might be talking about. Mm? Mm-hmm. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out so that you can be prepared for your maximum listening enjoyment at the moment the show is out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter and of course at ifanboycomics on Instagram which also features the best of the weekend panels etc etc you can follow us individually CS Patrick on Instagram and Jay Flanagan on Instagram um, you can subscribe to our YouTube page that's over at youtube.com slash you guessed it <laughs> ifanboy this horrendous name we can't get away from <laughs> Some men in their 40s go, I fanboy. Could you think of a worse thing to sound? Anyway, uh, we can keep up to date on our old video shows. They are coming. We said they were coming. That's also a patron uh, reward that has happened this past week. Is this correct? Yeah, I, I uploaded it. We I, I reviewed it. Secret Invasion number one in a mini. <laughs> Who did that? All three of us because we were together. Oh, nice. It's a nice counterpoint to Empire, actually. Same week. Yeah, nice. It's our first and only trip to Heroes Con. And uh, Chris Eliopoulos talks lettering. Is that the one at his house? Yeah. I love that show. That was a great day. <laughs> if you, yeah, go on. No, that was the first show I ever missed because I was hungover. Sorry. It was the first 
show of any type, audio, video that I missed because Ron and I had gone to a wedding of a college friend the night before and I was too hungover to get up and go to New Jersey. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I hope it was you, a long time ago. I, I hope you drank enough water 13 years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. More than that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Would you like to do the next my part? My turn, yeah. I was taking some water. <laughs> if you like the show, you said you said water, so I grabbed my water. It was like a Pavlovian thing. If you dig the show, sure. write a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Even better than that is to tell your friends about us. We had someone reach out on Twitter this week who did recommend our show to their mother, and they showed us the uh, text discussion about it was it just like the regular show or was she it was like, a media explode it was a media okay but it counts it no counts. that counts totally that totally counts. counts yeah i'll take it did she like it yes because she was a fan of one of the films we were talking about nice it must have been the last one we did i don't remember that thing you do yes that was it It was that thing you do and she was a fan of that so mom approved nice help us spread the fan by love by recommending us if people ask we we appreciate that people do it all the time and that's it for this week's show i'm connor Kilpatrick. And I am Josh Flanagan, not Esquire. Stay safe, wash your hands, look out for fellow people, be considerate. Let's keep getting through this. It's not a political side. Wear the mask around other people, help other people. That's why you do it. I feel strongly about that. Deal with it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening and everything. Bye.